0: Welcome back to another episode of this podcast, and Lyra joining us today.
1: Great to be back.
0: And this is like a follow-up on the last episode. You know, we were just watching some, uh, we're doing some video reaction to the podcast Kloas Kejapt by YB, uh, KJ, and Shari Hamdan. And, you know, in that episode, they talk about the kind of government, the kind of Prime Minister, Anwar Ibrahim, is going to be, and they use some very interesting words, right, like progressive. Yep. Uh, center-left, yep. uh, redistributions. So all these things, I, I think, uh, relates to a few things, you know, like concept like big versus small government, concept like federal versus state government. Mm. So today I want to do uh, one short series, just talking about big versus small government. And now this is something of course, more prevalent in the Western political discourse. Yep. Uh, but but what, what comes to your mind when you think about big versus small? I mean, we're not talking about GDP. We're not talking about the strength of military. Right? We're talking about the style of government.
1: Hmm. I think one of the very things that came into my mind was really the landmark case mm-hmm. of Roe v. Wade. Yep, yep. Because what people kept thinking about is my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't realize the significance of the whole overturning of Roe v. Wade was really the returning of power of healthcare power back to the state. Yep. So that, maybe you could just explain a little bit to our audience.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Roe v. Wade, of course, depending what kind of news you've been reading. And I think that most headlines would say, abortion rights are taken away, women loses right to their own body and things like that. But the Supreme Court of the United States did not do such a thing. All they are doing is, you know, what happened in Roe v. Wade was that the Supreme Court created a constitutional right of abortion, which was not in the document.
1: And that's not the function of Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, it's like you're creating law, you know, and it's a bit like UK has its own version, you know, Lord Denning, people like that. They just kind of say, oh, based on public policy, based on the circumstances of the time, we can create law. And it's always dangerous for, for judges to create law because that, that's not their job. Mm-hmm. But it, it is for the legislature, it's the parliament, it's a congress to do that. So judges who are more careful wouldn't do that. So Roe v Wade did that. But then later on, so just recently uh, last year, the Supreme Court overturned that because they say, look, you shouldn't create law. And some more Roe v Wade took away the power from the state. Mm. So all they are doing was, look, there is no federal right of abortion, but it doesn't mean abortion cannot happen because every state, there are 50 states in America, you can do whatever you want. So so this is talking about the power of choices. So let's say California say you can have abortions. New York say you can have abortion. Illinois say you can have abortion. You go and stay there like, if you like it. If you don't like abortion, because it is a moral issue. Mm-hmm. And when you know we talk about the whole concept of rainbow nation, we have a nation of migrants and melting pot of culture. It's very similar to Malaysia. That's why every time we talk about race and religion, there has to be choices because we, we all have different preferences. You can't say we all must adopt a certain kind of religion. By the way, our constitution say freedom of religion. But I mean, Roe v Wade, basically the reverse of Roe v Wade puts the choices in the hands of the state. So imagine you like abortion, right? You go and stay in California. You go and stay in Illinois. You go and stay in New York. You don't like it, you go to stay in Montana. You go and stay in Texas. You Mm -hmm. go and stay in Florida. Choices, choices, choices. So that's one way for us to understand. Is that how much control and intervention do you want the government to be in your life, in your face?
1: So when you talk about government, do you mean federal government? federal versus state because what you were saying is that the Roe v. Wade case essentially Mm -hmm. took the power away from the state to the federal government. Mm -hmm. So in this case, would you say that in Malaysia, are we more of the former as in more power to the federal or more power to the state?
0: Now, when the country was formed, okay, we we start with Malaya, right? 1957, the constitution, at that time, the constitution was considered Groundbreaking was considered very creative, very um, just ahead of its time because they have a whole list of separation, federal and state. Hmm. So it's like, oh, we respect each other's boundary, but over a period of time, we, we have seen that the federal become more and more powerful, more and more centralised because they control the purse. And and when uh, when the petroleum act came about, you know, you see some resistance from Sabah and a bit of resistance from Klantan, but nobody actually went to the court. And and then you see how Mahathir destroyed the court and things like that. So we just see that concentrations of federal power. And anytime you go against him, look at the 80s, 90s, Mahathir destroyed the court, destroyed the media, destroyed political parties. So if that is not federal centralization, if that's not federal abuse of power, I I don't know what that is. So Malaysia, definitely we we are, we, we, we have such federal dominance it is unbelievable in, in fact uh, the noted professor Terence Gomez even wrote a book called Ministry of Finance Incorporated and he said we have the most centralized minister, Ministry of Finance in the entire world basically all the GLC are controlled by Ministry of Finance Ben Nagara is controlled by MOF so we, we have so much power and, and that is one of the argument that says look that is the reason why Najib Could get away with YNDB. And of course, YNDB is not even the only case. I mean, think about all the bailout cases. If you want to talk about bailout, it's much worse, right? Yeah. You know, think about Proton, you think about Mars, you think about Perwaja, just a few that we are aware of.
1: Wow. I mean, it's so interesting because in the last episode, KJ basically said that our prime minister is more center left Mm -hmm. in terms of his economic policy. So, would you think that? be more right-leaning, you are almost always more libertarian in nature, or, or the other way around, or you have to be more authoritarian in order to have free market, or mm. is it the other way around? Like in this case, he's more center-left. So in order to have certain policies that are being basically like redistribution of wealth, yep, yep. in order to make it happen would you almost always have to use more authoritarian sort of measures to govern your your government basically
0: I think if we look at the example and we have so so many example i mean before World War one World War two and even after i mean just look at the last 100, 150 years going all the way back to French Revolutions look at the, uh China mao for example o- o- all these things every time you want to have a more uh Left economy, so I mean, there are many words to describe. We can call it socialist. Some people don't like socialism mm-hmm. because they say, "Oh, that's discrimination against us." We prefer to call ourselves progressive democratic left. <laughs> you know, you notice that all the all the totalitarian left call themselves progressive democratic. Yep. You know, and, and we know it's just bullshit because at the end of the day, you look at the result. So every time you want to say, "Hey, we're actually," redistributing for the people, you need someone with a great power of distribution. That's a very powerful central government. Without that, you can't even implement that. So that's why I find it very, very ironic because we just did political compass survey and all the discussion. I can't remember if we mentioned it. Switzerland, we say, is one of the most economic right but in light of the bank scandal and things like that, all of a sudden, the entire banking industry in Swiss has become nationalized. In one moment, they become left. Yeah. And I know some people won't agree with that, but that's the reality. When, when government comes in, put in the money, you want to call it bail out, you want to call it nationalized, whatever you want to call it. It is no longer free market because you know in recovery, in liquidation, we have a term. You know, If you can't pay for money already, all of a sudden you have a white knight. To come in, the white knight is actually not very white because he or she will put the money down and he or she will take control there is a price for okay. saving yep so don't, don't get yourself fooled you know the swiss banking is has collapsed as far as we know because when the government comes in and give guarantee they don't want to use the word bail out because of the stigma of 2008 but nationalized government guarantee I mean, that's why i was just talking to another friend about economic, you know, we say, okay, you don't want to use the word bailout. But think about 1NDB. It's not bailout. It's worse. It's government guarantee.
1: Yeah, indeed. I mean, it has no difference than bailout, basically. But bailout,
0: at least I give you money and if you die, you die. Lah. If I give guarantee, the, the government underwrites it. The creditor is like laughing to the bank because they know Malaysia government will not allow it to, to, to breach.
1: But, so what will be the implication if, say Malaysia didn't issue out this government guarantee though, in the case of 1MDB?
0: Well, I, I think in the Malaysian uh, government, Malaysian banking system, economic system in the eyes of the world, you, you have all, all the standards, it, it, it will be downgraded. So, so even the way we're able to attract investor things, that like, it will have huge implication. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Malaysia become investor unfriendly. So I, I don't think that's something anyone. Would they to do, this? least of all, annoy Ibrahim.
1: <laughs> but that sounds almost like um, the people. I mean, being Malaysians, we we don't really have other choice except to accept that our government has to issue out this yep. government guarantee. Though I mean, it's almost like the same case with COVID management mm-hmm. in the name of health. Yep. For the greater good, we have to give this power to a central committee to basically say what we can do and what we can't do to our body.
0: And Lara, I think you, you hit the right point here, You know, in terms of the discussion between big and small. Really, when any party argue for big centralized power, they will use in the name of greater good. So I think COVID is such a great example, because I, I think in the early days, there's still a lot of support. Look, look at lockdown and things like that. I mean, everyone is like, okay, it's something we had to sacrifice, stay home, maybe happy or not, you know, whatever. But people sort of are are quite willing for the first month. But later on, when the cash run out, when the savings run out, when the opportunity run out, when price increase, I, I think people are not so happy, not so... You know what's the right word? It, it's like they suddenly thought, hey, why am I paying this price? This is your policy decision that causes us to do that. I, I mean, now you start to have discussion and say that, look, the lockdown was bad because... Uh, especially all the lockdown that is linked with the vaccine. Mm. The vaccine doesn't even work that well. So your whole policy is already flawed. But But the
1: argument would be, well, we acted in accordance with the limited information that mm -hmm. we have. And hence, we thought we did the best for the country.
0: Yeah, I remember a few episodes ago, we talked about how people are screaming for amnesty because the fact that they were even used to amnesty means they knew they screwed up already. So I think it's a lesson for all of us that look, if we kept encouraging the government to be big, they will continue to be irresponsible. They will continue to to be like, hey, based on limited information, we can do this to you. I I mean, there's a precedent already. Why why can't it be a pandemic 2.0? Next time it will be some climate change crisis or whatever. And and that's why sometimes if you think we are a bit skeptical in this show, it's because the evidence are there. And what we want to encourage people is look look at the, the differences between big and small. So so I think in Malaysia we we recognize big, right? Mm. Because we have been big for a long time. <laughs> but but what is small? I mean what's what comes to your mind when you think about small government, you know? It is definitely not you know, it, i I mean one of the examples people always use, just look at the cabinet size, right? Malaysia versus United States. Yeah. And Malaysia has how many minister, I, I know it's trimmed down, still 50 plus, right? Yep. Uh, and look at the cabinet of the president of the United States, I think less than 15. <laughs> I mean, their GDP is a few hundred times.
1: But would you think that people will argue that you need to have accountability between three different branches of the government? Mm-hmm. I mean, because Malaysia is basically been set out in such a way that we have executive, we have mm-hmm. the legislative, but we also have the judiciary. So. How do they have that accountability if the government is not big enough? Maybe some people might argue that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be the, that would be the Malaysian argument. But then you look at the the proponent of small government. So, now, of course, I mean, maybe we just talk very quickly about the history of small government because, you know, we always say, look, more power will corrupt Mm. usually. And, but then, of course, small government is typically linked with the American government because of the founders, that the philosophy of the founders, uh, especially someone like Thomas Jefferson. Mm. But then they did not start the concept of small government. Limited government, in terms of the Western uh, democracy, actually starts in United Kingdom. It starts with the, the British Parliament limiting the power of the king to tax. Then, of course, we know what happened. Charles II... Came out, had the whole thing, and then he was chopped off. The head was chopped off by Oliver Cromwell, and they went into republic for a while. and, and They sort of have bias remorse, so so they turned back. So, but they were the one to start it off. So you imagine that many of the founding fathers of United States they were of British descendant. So they saw the system; they knew the king was limited, but they want to go one step further, even more uh, limitations. So the whole constitution, that, that's why one of the hallmarks of small government is that you have a constitution and actually Malaysia, I would say when we first started off, the aspiration is probably to be a small government.
1: That's very interesting mm. because we have not seen small government no. since the formation of Malaysia. But would you think that the concept of small government mm. basically means empowering the people to be accountable of their decision-making. I mean, as in like day-to-day, the right to pursue freedom, the right to pursue Mm. happiness, all these things lies in the fact that the government doesn't encroach too much of your privacy, your right to pursue all these things. But people just happily given it away.
0: Yeah, in theory, it should be like that. But, But you are absolutely right when you say Malaysia have never seen that. Even though the constitution, I mean, just take the most simple of example, freedom of religion. Is there such a thing as freedom of religion? I, I mean, now everyone is arguing whether you can visit uh, Worship <laughs> House or the other, the other religion. I, I mean, what freedom of religion are you talking about? That's in the constitution, but what is the practical effect? So that's why you can say whatever you want. Uh, and when we say small government, in fact, Russia has one of the best constitution in the world, but how do you implement that? Stalin was the one Who famously said I don't care what law you have I only care who counts the vote Wow So, so it, it is Those kind of things that The reality and, and definitely you are right If we want to have Small government People need to be responsible So you know We, we talk about this in, in, in a show One of the ways One of the fastest way To get people to be responsible Is to have local election And I know people give All kind of reason Why we cannot slang After 10 years Still cannot.
1: No, I mean, Malaya did start it mm. off with local election. It's yep. just that we lost it along the way and people never saw the light of it.
0: And I think it's linked with May 13, it's linked with NEP because when you want that kind of... Because NEP is basically shifting the entire economy to the nationalized left realm. Basically, a- another way to say it is government knows best. I, I know better than you.
1: That so- sounds progressivism.
0: Yeah, so, so that's why it goes a full circle that the original Marxist left, which the so-called liberal tried to fight after World War Two, the liberal have become the progressive Marxist because they, they want to take more control. They want Their mantra is, I know better than you.
1: That and sounds like pride.
0: It, it, it is, it is. And, and you see, another very... I mean, one of the things that, for, from our research, we, the term we use, you know, when the Roman Empire, Emperor, you know, I, I, at the height of their power. They used to call themselves Philosopher King. What does that mean? That means I know better than you and you should listen to me. So, I mean, there's nothing new on earth. It's it just kept recycle, recycle. So the American experiment is very, very interesting. And, 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 and that's why, you know, big and small government, I, I know it's a huge topic and, and we already used two examples, Roe v. Wade and covid I think one of the ways which maybe in the next segment we can talk about that will give us even more understanding is just to look at the balance between federal and state power. Because that will really help us to see, you know, you know where where we are heading. Because I, I think this is a concept that we just want to kind of unpack, you know, not too complicated, but I I, I realize that when I talk to people, big and small government people sort of give you a look, huh? <laughs> well, I, say, I mean in malaysia th- this is not something you hear people talk about people talk about left people talk about progressive but small it like, doesn't compute
1: but if <laughs> people think of it from the p- point of view where you are running a company i think mm. they will get the concept
0: yeah yeah you, you have smaller board,
1: yeah very lean very nimble sort of uh, way of doing things then people would Begin to appreciate small government.
0: Yeah, I mean, if your turnover is less than 1 million per year, why do you need a board member with 20? Just <laughs> ridiculous, right?
1: You need to split the uh, profit.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, you think about some of the huge companies like, like Microsoft, Alphabet, they are board less than 10. <laughs> These are countries, their revenue bigger than GDP of most nations.
1: Yeah, exactly. So,
0: Yeah, so... So I think this is an introduction to, for big and small. And I think the next segment we want to use federal versus state. And, and I think we, we want to think of some other example that will help people to think. And even now, of course, later on, we want to talk about, we don't have time in this episode. But not we are not saying small is always good because mm. there are pros and cons. I mean, look at the banking crisis now. It is really... Now, on one hand, yes, it's uncontrolled free market, but it's also the central bank are not responsible and things like that. So we we agree there needs to be some governmental intervention. But I think what most people disagree is how much, what is the degree? And I think that's the same discussion that is going to happen in Malaysia.
1: I think that will go back to the constitutional right, no?
0: Yeah, but unfortunately, our constitution has been amended almost more than 600 times. so how do we go back um, yeah. but, right. but we have a, we have an opportunity and, and that's why the next portion when we talk about state versus federal and even what Anwar Ibrahim is doing right now empowering the, the Sabah and Sarawat, I think it bodes well with where we're going and I remain quite positive in terms of what's happening in our nation awesome okay so I think our time is up so until next time alright bye 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 for bye
1: bye bye <laughs> Thank you